Welcome to the Life Lessons Podcast. I'm Jen Stevens. I'm a retired teacher, the author of several books, including the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, and I love nothing more than building community. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've spent my life helping others through my work in healthcare and as a volunteer for various organizations. We are friends who share a love of learning, problem solving, and bringing people together. Each week, join us as we share inspiring stories and bring you new ideas designed to help you live your best life. So now let's learn something new, get inspired, and have some fun. everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, did you see what I shared in the community about my shoulder? Oh, that your shoulder is hurting again? Yes. Yes. And you wondered if it had anything to do with dairy? Yes. And the reason I'm bringing it up here is because we talked about it on the podcast recently and I said my shoulder felt better. It was completely healed. And I didn't even realize when it stopped hurting, but it completely stopped hurting. Well, Started hurting again yesterday when I woke up, and I had just reintroduced dairy after 60 days of no dairy. You sure you didn't say yes when you meant no at some point? (laughs) I don't think that's it, because I hadn't said yes to anything new since. (laughs) Hadn't taken on any new projects, but. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna experiment and see. Cause after that, I went, when I was like, "Why does my shoulder hurt so much?" and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" So I googled dairy and joint pain, and it's out mm-hmm. there. So anyway, I may. Have, I, well, I mean, I'm not going to live my life whole food, plant based, 100. percent Like I actually had meat yesterday for the first time since October, and I felt great. But I didn't wow. have any dairy. My shoulder right. stopped hurting when I woke up today. It doesn't hurt anymore. So we'll see. I'm going to experiment and see. Um, I think I'll be able to figure it out. Well, I don't know if you can tell how puffy my face is. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I had a calzone, and I haven't really had any bread or yeasty products in a long, long time. And I haven't had pizza. I haven't had flour tortillas. I haven't had anything. Bread, nothing. And today, I woke up, and my face is like oh. puffy. I look like a puffer fish. Well, for me, the dairy, so, the dairy made a difference. Like the very first day that I didn't have dairy back in October, I could tell a difference in the puffiness of my face and Chad could see it. As soon as I had dairy again, I, there was that like puffiness around the edges. So, you know, I'm super irritated. That's not fair. I really like dairy. <laughs> but how would I ever have really known that without, you know, trying that elimination? Yeah, without the right. one, because I, I had not eliminated anything anything in like since because you know I've only done it in the past through the lens of I was trying to diet but this time it wasn't because I was trying to lose weight or it wasn't because I was trying to diet it was I was trying to do you know get my gut in a good place to do Zoe right and I'm like I think I'm just gonna do whole food plant-based see how I feel well I felt amazing but (laughs) so I'm gonna see how you felt amazing you just weren't fulfilled well I wasn't fulfilled so I'm like now trying to find the balance of yeah the food has to be delicious I'm, I'm not someone who wants to live in a restrictive way ever and I was excited to bring dairy back until my shoulder started to hurt. I mean, it's a lot of hurting. The pain that I was having, it's a pretty. Really? Yes. And it was the point where I, I thought I injured it. And then it mm-hmm. was the aerobics. I thought I was doing too much of that. Right. And interestingly, it kind of felt a little better when I went out of town one weekend. But I mean, maybe I didn't need as much dairy when I was out of town. I don't know. It's possible. It is possible. Might be one of those things you might only be able to have in limited quantities here and right, there. Right, or certain types. So I'm going to experiment yeah. and see. But I never in a million, if someone had said, 
you should probably give up dairy. That's why your shoulder hurts. I'd have been like, well, you're insane. That is not why. Right. I hurt myself. <laughs> I hurt myself. Anyway, until it went away and then came back. We'll see. I'm not 100% sure that that's what it is. But you know how I like to experiment. Yes. So I'm going to find do. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now it's time to share our good news segment. Anne from Ontario has a special story of thanks with a little life lesson built in. She wrote, My sister-in-law Beth is a rock star and a very talented painter and seamstress. My 35-year-old son died suddenly in August of 2021. She arrived at the Celebration of Life service with an amazing painting of him. Then she took home a suitcase of his clothing to make keepsakes. A few weeks later, she came back with four 24-inch bunnies for myself two-year-old niece, my four-year-old nephew, and the new baby of a best friend. They were made out of his t-shirts and were wearing jeans, t-shirt, flannel shirt, or sweater made from his clothing, even a bright orange safety vest as he worked construction. The kids' bunnies have two sets of clothing so that they can change them up, and all of the bunnies have angel wings. Then for other family members, she made flannel stuffed hearts for the Christmas tree, a pillow with a memorable picture, and another one of a basketball and his teen number on it. These gifts will live forever in our homes and bring my son to life in such a special way. They bring tears and smiles and memories to life for all of us. So whatever your talent is, share it with others in your unique way. Wow, that like kind of made me feel like a little teary. Yeah. What a special thing to have. Well, Beth, thank you for doing that. And Anne, thank you for telling us about Beth. I that is really special, all those bunnies with the mm-hmm. clothes. Love it. Yeah. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the Life Lesson of the Week, I want to take a minute to tell you about a company that helps make it possible for us to bring you the podcast. It is that time of year where many of you are recommitting to health and wellness after the holiday season. After weeks of special occasions, baked goods, travel, and celebration, it feels good to reprioritize healthy eating. Healthy eating does not have to be complicated or time-consuming, and yes, it can be delicious. So a few weeks ago, I shared that my husband and I are really enjoying Factor Meals, And I love that all the meal prep and cooking is done for me most nights. But sometimes I want to be a little bit more creative. And if my schedule allows me, then I can throw together my own easy-to-prepare meals with Hungry Root. With Hungry Root, you can order their recipe suggestions, or you can order individual grocery items for the week to make up your own recipes. The best part is that the veggies are all washed and prepped, ready to cook. Some of the meats are already cooked for you. Just saute or air fry your veggies, warm the meats, and add some potatoes or beans. They have amazing sauces you can add to combine it all together, and in minutes, you have a healthy, delicious meal. All of the food Hungry Root offers is free of partially hydrogenated oils, artificial sweeteners, high-free corn syrup. They are free of artificial colors and artificial preservatives, and that is important to me. So yes, healthy can be easy. When you have the right food in the fridge, getting something fresh and nutritious on the table becomes unexpectedly fast and simple. And I will have links to save when you try them in show notes. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are joined by Mutter Nan Webster, a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes in the integration of Eastern and Western philosophies for mental health. 
For over 20 years, she has empowered clients to connect with themselves and others through mindfulness and psychotherapy interventions. She is also the author of the book, The Stressless Brain. She joins us today to offer mental health and meditation tips in order to help you feel more emotionally, physically, and spiritually balanced so that you can view your life with better clarity. And then she is also going to share some of her newest projects that center around healing past trauma. So welcome. We're so glad you can join us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I think we're all excited to hear about how to have a stressless brain. (laughs) I know. Before we get into that, before we get into your background and your story, what is the overarching or main lesson that you hope to share with our listeners today? The main thing that I love teaching people and talking about is daily habits that we commit to. And it doesn't have to be a 30-minute thing. It can be a three-minute meditation. It can be a three-minute silence. It could be washing our face at night and then sitting quietly for a moment on your toilet with a seat down and just being there. Like It's so simple, but it's choosing to do something every single day as a healthy habit that allows you to tap into your own self. I was going to say, I love that. And I bet people do this and don't even realize they do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because as you were talking, I was just thinking of my husband. He was just going to work and he said, what's your topic today? And I kind of read him some little tip notes I had here. And he said, that sounds really stressful. But he's a high stress person, right? He is the stressed brain. He's a high stress, high anxiety person. So he thinks mindfulness and stress relief sounds stressful? Yeah, like the thought of walking into like a meditation or sitting quietly is stressful for him. This is the man who wakes up in the morning and paces the house for 20 minutes every morning. Like well, that's know. the first thing he does is pace, 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 pace. Drives oh. me crazy. But like as he said though. this, yes, and as he, I told him today, I said, you know, you could just go outside and walk around the block, but <laughs> instead of driving me crazy walking behind me, yeah. but he goes to work 30 minutes early every single day. This is his routine. It drives me crazy. I don't go anywhere early. Time is valuable. And I'm like, why do you go to work 30 minutes early? This is so ridiculous. But this is what he says. I have to go to work so that I can sit there and I can get in my work mind and like get calm before I start the beginning of my shift. So he that's gets exactly it. what he's doing. Exactly. He just doesn't realize that's what he's doing. Yeah. And and it's interesting that actually, you know, walking back and forth is that he's, it is like a walking meditation. And if he were just to add a couple things to it, like I would say to him, don't stop walking because there's actually something called relaxation induced anxiety, which means that for many people, when they do slow down and are still, they feel worse. And I get this in my office. People say, oh, I'm supposed to meditate. And my doctor even tells me to meditate and everyone tells me to meditate. But when I sit down and I try to quiet my mind, I feel worse. I said, yeah, that's actually called something. It's called relaxation-induced anxiety. People who have that actually want to do movement meditations or they want to do action-oriented meditations. They want to do chanting meditations. They want to do rhythmic meditations because their minds need something to focus on to be able to slow down. That's fascinating. That makes a lot of sense to me. My son has sensory processing disorder. And in order for him to be able to slow his brain down to learn, he has to be moving his body in some way. Yeah. Using his muscles in some way to get the brain to really like slow down and be able to process data. 
That's so that's so interesting. I just saw somebody talking about breath work on Instagram. I don't know who it was. Mm. And they said, just because some people can do breath work and that mm-hmm. is relaxing for them and that helps them through a panic attack or whatever, mm-hmm. like don't feel like breath work is the answer for you because breath work can actually be really difficult and not be able to get you out of a panic attack. And if you're one of those people, it's okay. You're not broken. And I never even thought about that before that day. Yeah. And one reason that might be for some of these people who feel worse when they do breath work is they're not breathing correctly. So Uh, most, like if you look at a baby breathing in their crib or, you know, cuddled up, if you look at their body, their whole bodies become big, like a balloon when they inhale And then when they exhale, they actually kind of deflate like a balloon. If you look at most adults when they're breathing, you say to them, take a big breath. What do they do? They go, and they actually raise their chest and their shoulders up. And they're actually pulling in their stomachs when they're breathing. When you you say, take a deep breath, that's what they do. That's incorrect breathing. You've just gotten half the capacity of your breath. And if you're doing that all day and every day, you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain which can create stress in the brain. It also can make your whole system have to work harder to get the oxygen to all the organs and glands. So one thing people can do is lay flat on their on their backs because it's hard to breathe incorrectly when you're laying flat. So laid flat on your back on the ground, you can put a pillow underneath your legs if you want to support your lower back. You're going to put one hand on your chest and one hand on your tummy, on your belly. And then you're going to bring your mental focus to your stomach. And as you inhale, you're going to push your belly out and then slowly let the breath increase up into the chest. And as you exhale, you feel the breath releasing from the top of your body. And then you exhale at the end, you pull your belly button into the back of your spine. And this is a way, if you practice this every day, even just for a minute or two or three, you will slowly start to reverse your incorrect breathing. That's so interesting. So something from a just a, a physiological standpoint, when um, I see this in my work, when people take in a deep breath, they clench their stomach muscles. And when you clench your stomach muscles, that's called a Valsalva maneuver. So when you do that, it actually interrupts blood flow. It interrupts your heart beating the way it's supposed to be. So you're not getting oxygenated blood to your entire body, you're not perfusing your body with oxygenated blood, which is going to make you feel worse, not better. Our bodies need oxygen. So yeah. So think, yeah, really think about that. Like if you're breathing, hanging in a big, deep breath, is your belly clenched tight or is it filling full? Yeah. And I get it. Like in our culture, we all want a flat belly. I get it. Here's (laughs) the thing though, is if we want to live a long, healthy life, prevent heart attacks, prevent strokes, and a lot of other health issues, it is connected to our breath and our the level of anxiety we have every day. That's fascinating. Now I'm sitting here like hyper-focused on the way that I'm breathing, and I bet a lot of the listeners are as well. So listeners, mm-hmm. if you're like now really thinking about how you're breathing, you are not alone. So <laughs> yeah. how does, you know, where a lot of us are in a, a negative place when it comes to stress. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. everything feels stressful from driving to the grocery store to, Mm -hmm. you know, checking your email. So how do stress and anxiety impact us, you know, our whole mind, body, and soul? Yeah. So there's two things. First thing is, is that 
60 years ago, the word anxiety was not a common part of our language. And even the word stress was not a common part of our language. It has become now this, like you see, you see your friend, like, how are you? Oh my God, I'm so stressed. Oh my God, me too. And then, 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 then we go off to talking. Like we, there's almost that we accept that we are in anxiety all the time. So that's one thing. The second thing is, is that when we are constantly in a state of anxiety or stress, we are constantly in a state of fight, flight, freeze, or fight, flight, fix. And that is what's happened. What that means physiologically in our body is, is that we're at, we're constantly revving the engine within us, which is our glandular system, our pituitary, our pineal, our thyroid, our adrenal. We're constantly revving them. And when we do that, our organs are constantly in the state of, am I being attacked by a saber-toothed tiger? And it doesn't know the difference between, oh my God, I'm getting every red light versus I'm in danger and I'm going to die. Our organs don't know the difference. Even our thinking mind that processes things doesn't know the difference between real fear and imaginary fear. For example, I work with a lot of couples and individuals and you know, I do hear about like, oh my God, is, is my partner being faithful or not? If we think about that all the time, our mind thinks fight, flight, and freeze. Like they think I'm in danger and it may be an imaginary fear, but our organs and glands don't know the difference. And so again, back to our glandular system, we're revving the engine. And the example I give, because I work with a lot of men, is I often say to the man, like, what's your favorite car? And then they're like, oh, like, hey, like an F-150 truck or a Porsche. Or, and I say, okay, what's your favorite color? Okay, it's red. What's the color of the interior? It's it's, you know, black, perfect leather. Okay, okay, imagine this perfect car, perfect color, and you have your foot on the gas pedal, just revving the engine a little bit for 50 years. What happens? And he goes, <laughs> the engine blows. I go, yeah. yeah, but what happens to the car? Perfect leather, perfect paint, perfect car seat, perfect everything, but the internals falling apart. This is what happens to us humans around stress and anxiety. So what do we do about that? How do we change our brains from that, oh, I'm hitting another red light, that negative loop into one where we just go through all these stresses more calmly? Yeah. So there's a couple things that we can do. One is a daily habit, as I mentioned earlier. And the reason a daily habit that brings us back to ourself helps us to build a relationship with ourselves. And when we have a relationship with ourselves, it can work with that part. Remember I, met, I mentioned imaginary worries and stress. When we have a relationship with ourselves, we're more grounded, more balanced, and more centered which allows us to actually stop and look at, is this real or am I making this up? And then we go into the tools. The other thing that we can do is, is that meditation is a form that lowers anxiety. It's proven in research and science. And the other things are also exercise can help, not over-exercising, but exercising right. can help. And the other piece is also to take, you know, look at your life and say, like, what is bringing me a lot of stress? And is it real or is it imaginary? And how did I learn to look at life stressful? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. How many people do you see in practice who come to you 
and don't think that they are living a stressful life. But as you talk to them, you're mm-hmm. like, this person is, has too much stress in their life. Do you think that people are just are so out of tune with their bodies and so used to living mm-hmm. a stressful life that that just seems normal to them? Yes. And I also think that our culture really pushes the idea of success and being, you know, making a lot of money and having lots of friends and doing lots of things. There's like this whole bunch of talk last year around like how busy we are. Like people Uh talk, oh, I'm so busy. Like, how are you? Oh my God, I'm so busy. I'm doing this and that. And, And the thing is, is that that does add a level of, of stress. Now, stress is not bad. There's a difference between stress and anxiety. Stress is like, okay, I'm, I'm about to you know be on a TED Talk and I'm really excited, but I'm really stressed out. And leading up to it, we feel stress and we're prepared and it gets us really focused. And then TED Talk happens and we're like, oh, I feel amazing. That's, that's healthy stress. So that is normal. Unhealthy stress is when it becomes anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that's, okay, I did the TED Talk. The TED Talk's over and I'm still worried. I'm still going like, oh my God, did they like it? Did yeah. I do okay? And now we're ruminating. And mm-hmm. now, and then what happens again, remember the glandular system? It does not know the difference between I'm worried about what happened. I'm worried about getting that red light. I'm worried about my partner versus I'm being attacked by a cyber tooth tiger. It does not know the difference. Well, so I think recovery is important, right? You have to have recovery time. Your body has time, needs time to recover. Your brain needs time to recover. Like, and I think that's what I see maybe happening. Jen and I have an online community and, you know, these people are pushing, they push themselves so hard, right? Mm -hmm. And they think they're doing all the right things, but they're Mm -hmm. not getting results. Yeah. But they're not taking time for re- like recovery, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're like I want these results, so I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this and 7 days a week. They're go 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 and they're like I'm I'm hitting all the buttons. Yeah. But they're never like taking time to let their body slow down and they're not prioritizing sleep and they're not practicing any type of restorative exercise. It's mm-hmm. all full tilt, CrossFit, lifting weights, running marathons. Yeah. And the big thing that you said that was really important is sleep. Most of my clients who have stress and anxiety, who know it or don't know it, all have sleep issues. They can't fall asleep or they can't stay asleep or they're not sleeping enough. They're doing like four hours. I'm fine. I I got four hours. I'm good. And I'm like, that's, and then the the four hours is also what time of, of the night we sleep. And so, again, like you mentioned earlier, Jen, is that people get stressed just hearing about like, oh, my God, I do do that. Oh, my God, I do do that. And then, like, we don't want listeners to feel worse after the podcast. Stress about the stress, right? right? (laughs) Now I'm stressed that I'm stressed. Right. Right. And so so part of it is start simple. Mm -hmm. Start with, let's say you're at work and every day at work you have a meeting that runs from 11 to 1230. Or you have something that's a routine already in your life. Just what you do is you add a three to four minute pause afterwards. So that's one thing you can do. Second, if and when you have a really stressful experience, whether it's a work experience or a fight with a partner or an argument or stressful time with your children, try your best if you can go for a walk for 20 minutes. The research shows that our ancestors, the cave people, 
when they were being attacked by a cyber-toothed tiger, they would run for their life and run up a tree and get away. And, and then the animal would be gone. And then they would have to walk back to their campsite, which might take them 40 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. And there's something that happens physically in our body. We're actually releasing the cortisol. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So when we're driving to work and we're stressed because we're going to be late and then we drive or sitting and then we run into our office and we're sitting in our chairs, all that cortisol stuck in our body. So even like your husband who paces in mm-hmm. some ways, maybe he's stressed and that's releasing cortisol. By him walking, he's also releasing it out of his body. Now that oh, is fascinating. Yeah. So take yeah. take a walk to clear your head and to just yeah. look for things that bring you joy. Can yeah. you preemptively? Okay, like I'm thinking the person who has a 45-minute commute and it's awful and it's bumper to bumper and every morning they're like, oh my gosh, I have to make this drive to the office. Yeah. Is there is there something that a person can do preemptively to mm-hmm. mitigate stress before you encounter it? Yes. So there's a couple of things. One is chanting. I know chanting is really weird for most of us Americans. And I always tell people the original meditation is prayer, is hymns. That's original. Hymns is original chanting. Singing, you know, whichever religion you are, singing a prayer or a poem or gospel of whatever religion is actually meditation. So there's a couple things. When you start your drive, I would put on, like, find a prayer that you like or find a chant that you like or find something that's a hymn that you can repeat again and again, and you do it out loud. There's a whole bunch of science I can get into it, what the brain reacts to chanting. And it's scientifically proven. So I would start your drive, maybe seven minutes, 11 minutes in the drive. Like you said, 45 minute commute. And you're just going to be driving, you're driving and you're going to be chanting and repeating again and again and again. Okay. So does this mean, just, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Does this mean that if I'm singing along to the radio that I'm actually chanting instead of annoying my husband, I'm doing big, important work? Yes and no. I mean, part of it is part of it is also what you're singing. I mean, I right. think that you know, words are powerful. There's amazing. There was some research that that they've done in Japan where they took rice and they were saying different words into this into rice and water. For I've seen the water time. stuff where they speak to the water. Yes, it's scary to see what happens. There's also research where they took water. And they said the words, and then they took a picture of the water molecule and the words that said, like, I hate you, or I'm going to kill you versus I love you and I cherish. It is mind blowing. You can just Google it. Like any of the listeners, just Google it. Have you not seen that, Sherry? I don't think so. I mean, like it sounds kind of familiar. So maybe I like glanced over an article once or something. Well, if I'm singing, it's something happy. Because I'm not, (laughs) I like to sing the happy song. I have been known to put a song on repeat and like. Just listen to it over and over again because it's soothing to me. Right. But that is, Sherry, that's a great, that's meditation. It's just, I mean, maybe it's not like certain form, but it actually doesn't really matter. So when you're doing your commute, you do that. And then the second piece is listen to podcasts and books on audio that peak your intelligence of thinking that, you know, learn something and because it's actually entertaining the mind. If you do nothing in your drive, the mind's going to entertain itself. And if you're already tweaked a little bit of irritation, then that's the lens that the mind's looking through and that's going to influence the kinds of thoughts you have. 
That's so interesting. So it actually does matter what we're listening to while we're driving or what we're doing versus turning the music all the way off and having nothing is actually not what you're looking for. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, unless you are in a really good mood, like I do sometimes drive silently and I'm just thinking and I'm contemplating and I, sometimes I have my like greatest ideas and I'll like, I'll be like, text myself, blah, 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 blah. So I I do that in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, but again, it's this piece of, we all have these lenses. So I talk with my clients about this a lot. Like we go through life and we all have lenses. You know, when you go to the optometrist, like, is it A or is it B? Right. Is it C or is it F? And so we have that in our life from our childhood. We have these lenses that are positive and negative, painful and joyful. And depending on how we operate in our life or what we're doing, a sweater someone's wearing, a word somebody says, if we didn't sleep well that night, if someone gets mad at us, if someone's reprimanding us or someone's teaching us or or we see, you know, we get cut off, it triggers a lens, which is from our past. And then we look at that event through the lens of our past. And this happens unconsciously, unless we do the work to figure out like, oh, I have a little girl in me that has an abandonment issue. That's her lens. So if a friend who stood me up for a hangout time, if I don't work with that little girl, my little lens can come in being like, oh, she doesn't like me. Maybe she... She's hanging out with someone else. You know, there is that dialogue that can come in. I think that explains a lot. If you've ever had a conversation with someone in your life and you say one thing and you know what you meant, but they interpret it so differently right. than, and you're like, what? No, but yeah. they're, in, they're interpreting it through their own lens of the exactly. past. And you're like, that's not even how I said it or meant it, or I would never even think that, right. but they can't help but see through their own lens. Right. And the reason why meditation and mindfulness practice every day or a couple times a week is so important is a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the things is that it actually helps you to sit with yourself and learn to see yourself through third person, meaning like you can see yourself interaction with your friend and go like, oh, my friend said this and I got really upset, but my friend didn't look mad at me. She didn't look like she was, you know, so you're seeing yourself in third person, which helps to give perspective and curiosity. I always tell people when we're stuck and defensive, one antidote to that is curiosity. Like, hmm, I wonder why I behave that way. Hmm, I wonder why this person reacted this way to me. But we tend to be knee-jerk reaction of like, right. they did this because da 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 and now we're off to the races. And we've right. ascribed all of these reasons behind what they did, which might not even be true because that's our lens looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is really fascinating. So say you are a person, I'm thinking about my husband here. <laughs> we had this conversation yesterday. Well, I'll say like, how would he use some of the stuff that you teach to help him like get beyond this. So this is a problem he has and it annoys me to no end. Yet I know this is how he is. So I accept it, but I want to help him too. Mm -hmm. You're in a store. Okay. This happened to us at Lowe's. For some reason, this always happens to us at Lowe's. I don't know what about Lowe's gets my husband's anxiety. Lowe's is very overstimulating. Something. So I'm standing there and I'm trying to decide like, okay, which paint roller I want, right? Because I'm like looking, do I want this nap or this nap? And I'm standing there trying to decide so I can put it in my cart. And he is like, somebody else needs to get in here. You need to move. And I'm like, okay, well, I was here first. Mm -hmm. And like, 
if they, I tried to explain this, like if they said, hey, I need that right there. Can I grab it? Of course, I'm going to be like, yeah, sure. You know, but if they need to sit there and look at the stuff too, I'm not going to step aside to let them because I have just as much right to be there as they do. Right. Yeah. And I said to him this yesterday, I said, look, you act like I don't have the right to stand there and look at paint rollers that somebody else is more important than me. And I mean, like, I don't understand what's happening here. I said, you act like you don't feel like you have value to take up space in this world yeah. and, and stand there. And he said, I don't. Oh, but that's something from his I childhood. I know this comes from his that's, childhood. It's a lens. So how does a person like that, like, how do you get past that to being able to say, I have value? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of talk in pop psychology and social media around our inner child. And so for your husband in that moment, he had an experience I'm imagining where as a child, he was told to move because he didn't have value. That's like a very short version of what I'm, you know, like he's not here. I can't psychoanalyze him, but just a little bit. And so what happens in that moment when he's standing there and he sees there's a little bit of anxiety and self-worth. So the person's coming up behind you and he sees the person and he has a whoosh feeling inside of him where he's like, okay, my God, we got to, we got to, got to move, which is anxiety and self-worth. So what he could practice just really kind of pop psychology for right now is that he would want to do some work to understand that inner part of him, that lens that that little boy or, or young man who got the message in his life that he doesn't have value or that others are more important than him. And so what we do is this is, again, this is the inner work is once we can identify our inner wounds, our inner adaptive selves or inner child children that we have, and it's not multiple personalities, we all have this, when he can identify with it and he's standing at Lowe's or at a store with you and he feels that whoosh feeling coming on, he would have an internal talk with his younger self and say, I'm a grown man, I'm here with my wife you have value, I have value, and that it's that other person's responsibility to A, wait, or B, ask, say, excuse me, to walk around. I do not need to be in charge of them. And it's the adult him who then is with his inner boy, the part that feels that anxiousness, and the little part of him that's feeling like I have less value, and he then parents and heal, helps that part heal. Once you do it enough times, he'll start finding like every third time he doesn't have the whoosh feeling. And then eventually it might only be once a month that he has the whoosh feeling because he has worked on that inner part within himself Mm -hmm. and he's built internal trust. And when we build internal trust within ourselves, then our lenses are less likely to hijack the experience. So the first step is really identifying that your reaction is coming from someplace deep inside yourself. Yes. It's a learned, it's Mm -hmm. a learned reaction from our past. Mm -hmm. Babies don't come out of the womb going, I don't really matter. Like if you're twins, just ignore me. Just take care of my sibling. I'm fine. I'm good. The baby's (laughs) like, right. 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 It doesn't know. And yet, if let's say like, like I have this client I worked with where one of the siblings had a health issue their whole childhood and this client has a lot of issues around, I don't matter, I'm insignificant, it's always about someone else. And so we have to do work around 
building the self-esteem and building the self-worth. And she, as the adult woman, has to work with her inner girl to be able to listen to her story of how hard that was. To Like she cared about her sibling and she wanted to have value as well. There's four basic needs every child needs. To feel unconditional love, to feel heard, to feel seen, and to feel safe, to feel physically safe. And if you were raised in a house where children are to be seen and not heard, you probably didn't get your needs met. Right. Sadly, most of us don't have all of them, and many of us only have one or two. Or you might have them situationally, like maybe you didn't get them at home, but like at your main house, but you got them from your grandmother, for example. You know, right. a lot of us, you know, had a weird, yeah. a weird home yeah. upbringing, but you know, you know, yeah. you felt unconditional love, heard, seen, and safe at your grandmother's. Right. And most of us learn to compensate for the failures that we had or the pains and traumas of our childhood. Some of that compensations are good and some of it's bad, like addiction or, right. or like your husband saying, get out of the way. Like he wants you to move because it manages his anxiety. It has nothing to do with you. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so he's learned if I let other people have the right away, then I don't feel anxious, which in some weird way is actually him taking care of himself. The difference though is, is that it perpetuates the self-esteem and self-worth. And then if anything, it causes an argument or something between you and him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah. understanding this is important from both sides of it, from your own side, understanding your own self and what lens you're bringing to the table, but also really like if you're in any kind of relationship with a partner or a close friend or a relative mm-hmm. where you keep having the same kind of conflict, mm-hmm. uh, try to get inside of them and think, wh- what is the lens that they're seeing me through? Yeah. And how is that you know, causing you know whatever the problem might be? Yeah. I mean, relationships are complicated. They are. They're beautiful, but they're complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my husband and I have been together eight and a half years. And we grew up completely differently, complete mm-hmm. different family situations, you know. Being married to him has been a learning experience for me yeah. because I'm constantly feel like I'm, I mean, I don't want to use the word psychoanalyzing, but I try to get into his head and I'm always like, why is he reacting this way? Or why does mm-hmm. he think like this? Or, you know, mm-hmm. why is he talking to me like this when I haven't done anything wrong? And I do, I'll, I'll sit there and question him. And I don't think anybody's asked him these questions before mm-hmm. because right. I would say he's probably learned more about himself and grown in the eight years we've been together than he had in the 30 plus before we met. Nobody asked him these questions and he didn't, maybe didn't realize that the way he felt and reacted to things wasn't, um, I hate to use the word normal, but how about mainstream You know, like he thought everybody had anxiety shopping for broccoli in the frozen food aisle. But you mentioned before we started talking that you have a new workshop that you're going to be running next month. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's a workshop called Soul Self. And it's a workshop that runs every Thursday evening for the month of February. It's online. And it is a workshop to help the participant learn about their inner parts. So there are some core emotions we all have, such as anger and fear and shame and joy and love. And there's some core parts that impact our personality and characteristic. And our emotions are influenced from our past trauma. And so this workshop is to actually go through the different emotions and learn. Each person will have their own process 
in their own screen while they're watching to learn about how each of these emotions showed up in their life and how this became a part that can sometimes hijack them. And when they're done with the workshop, they're actually going to have a set of emotional nesting dolls that will show their inner parts that they can learn to. I'll give the tools and skills on how to work with them. And then if people need more support, they can take it to their their therapist and say like, hey, this is this part. Can you help me understand or heal it through different interventions? And so I'm really excited because a lot of people, there's so much talk about parts and inner child, but people are like, well, how do I how do I learn what it is or how do I work with it or how do I, you know, understand it? And so this workshop's basically going to teach the participants how to learn, get to know, and then what to do with it so it doesn't hijack you so much. So how do people find your workshop? So they just go to my website. It's literally on the homepage. It says Soul Self. And I have a special right now, a discount. It ends January 15th. Well, this will come out on January 25th. So that will be over. So okay. well, you know what? All the listeners can personally email me and say, okay. Hey, I heard you on the podcast, and then I'll okay. give them a code with the discount. Awesome. Okay. And what is your email address? It's mutternan at me.com. We'll have that in the show notes as yeah. well. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I was going to ask if a person is listening and what if they don't know that they need this? Like what kinds of things would you see in a person's life that people struggle with? that they need to go back and revisit their inner child. Bottom line, do people tell you you're too sensitive? Do people tell you you have an anger issue? Do people tell you you're reactive? Do people tell, like, is there some kind of label that you have heard multiple people say to you in your life? That means you're being hijacked. Here's the thing is, there is often truth in what people say about us. And when we have the whoosh feeling that means that that's a trigger. If someone says something to you and it's not true, then who cares, right? right. Like, because sometimes people might say to you, you know, like you're this and that, and you might be like, okay, I don't really care. And it doesn't bother you. Or someone <laughs> says something to you and you're like, oh my God, why do they always say that? No, 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 no. That means mm, maybe there's a little truth there. And I think that what means- you said is key. Yeah. You said if multiple people have told it right. to you, like, for example, I had a, a disagreement with someone that I worked with and she used a word to describe me and I'm in my fifties and I'm like, Hmm, no one has ever used that word to describe me in 50 something years ever. So I don't think that's true. I was able mm-hmm. to run through that filter of, well, and does that describe me? I'm like, no, well, no one's ever said it, yeah. but there are other words people have said to me more than one time yeah. <laughs> from, yeah. from a long way. And I'm like, okay. So if you've heard it multiple times, you need to probably perk up and listen to, to yes. that information. Yeah. Yeah. And so this workshop will actually help you understand why you feel sensitive or overreactive in situations, why you get angry or feel guilty or what, you know, there's healthy shame and there's toxic shame. Mm -hmm. And I'll go through all that. And then I'm going to teach you the skills on like, here are some tools on how to work with it, which remember I mentioned earlier, it's all about being able to see the parts and build internal trust. That's a huge shift in our life. When we do that, we're less reactive. We get upset less. It's still, it's okay to be upset. It's just how often and how we do it. Right, how you And you're building trust with yourself and your emotions and how you move through the world. You're trusting yourself to do the right thing. 
Yeah. And, and we have to, sometimes there's a lot of work, talk about this in pop psychology and social media around reparenting ourselves. And so the workshop is a version of that. It's the wise self that gets, you know, again, it's called the soul self, which I believe that we're all born with a unique quality. I have children, you have, you, you mentioned you have a son. We all, you know, you look at your kid and, and even so when they misbehave sometimes or act out, there's a unique beauty to yeah. each human being. And they came out of the womb that way. Like exactly. you can look back to the day you met them and yeah. that is who they are still at their core. Yeah. They come out with a different spark. Yeah. yeah. So the workshop is going to work on strengthening the soul self and the wise self so that those parts of you, the main parts, can then work on the inner emotion, inner child, inner parts that hijack us and get in the way of our happiness and success in life. I love that. That sounds great. Yes. Rebalancing your life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. And your book, it's called The Stressless Brain. And we'll have a link to your website and and email address in the show notes. And I really have a lot to think about. I do too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mother Nan. Yeah, and and remind your listeners, if they want to join the workshop, I'll honor the discount. They can just email me directly and say, I heard you guys on Jen and Sherry's. And I'll be like, bam, you got the discount. Perfect. Awesome. Love it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. you. And now it's time for our listener-led lesson. It could be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. And we really need y'all to send them in, by the way, listeners. Send us a listener-led lesson. It could be anything. I love reading. This is one of my favorite parts right here. Because I'm a teacher. Is that why? Maybe. Is that why I like the listener-led lessons? I don't know. Well, today's listener-led lesson comes in the form of a book recommendation from Kathy on the Coast. She says that she highly recommends reading The Boys a book written by Ron Howard and Clint Howard. On the audio version, they also narrate. She writes, This is my book choice for all of 2022. The -the behind-the-scenes book shows a peek into some of the most-loved TV shows from the 70s and 80s. These stories are so much more dynamic when being told from the actor's point of view. Well, that's That's interesting. The Boys by Ron Howard and Clint Howard. Now, I don't know Clint Howard, but I guess that's Ron Howard's brother? Maybe. Like we all know who Ron Howard is, but I wonder it was Clint and things and we just didn't know that that was him. Like, would we recognize him if we saw him? Now, that is so interesting. So I'm going to have to look that up. The boys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to look up Clint Howard. Right, right. Well, at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Apple. The quote is, in life, you will realize there is a role for everyone you meet. Some will test you. Some will use you. Some will love you and some will teach you. But the ones who are truly important are the ones who bring out the best in you. They are the rare and amazing people who remind you why it's worth it. I love that. I love that. And what I think is so important is that there is a role for everyone, even if they're testing you. That is their role. Even if they're driving you crazy, that's teaching you something. I don't know if you believe in, I know you believe in soul circles and yeah, you know, there's People in your life who are there just to teach you a lesson. That's it. And not all lessons are delightful. No. (laughs) In fact, the very best ones are the ones that were not delightful. (laughs) That's where we learned the most. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to have you join us in the private Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP 
to become a VIP podcast supporter. Your membership ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons Podcast each week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Reviews really do help us reach new listeners. We're a community-driven podcast, and here's how you can be a part of our show each week. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com or use the link in show notes and then listen each week to hear your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.